We have a very interesting guest plan for you today. His name is Dr. Michael Nels. He is a physician and molecular, molecular degenerist. My goodness, we are talking about brains and brains being under attack. Uh, today, mine appears to have been particularly assaulted. He's a molecular geneticist specializing in immunology. He's also a researcher. He has been published in collaboration with two Nobel, Nobel Prize winners. He has received awards from in molecular psychiatry from the Rostock University Hospital. He is author of The Indoctrinated Brain. Okay, this is what we're going to talk about today, about the attack on both the actual parenchyma, the tissue of the brain, and through toxic brainwashing. It's, uh, he suggests tactics to resist neurological warfare and the battle for your mind. He'll be here right after this. Our laws as it pertain to substances are draconian and bizarre. The psychopaths start this way. He was an alcoholic because of social media and pornography, PTSD, love addiction, fentanyl and heroin, ridiculous I'm a, I'm a doctor for <laughs> sake. Where the hell you think I learned that? I'm just saying, you go to treatment before you kill people. I am a clinician. I observe things about these chemicals. Let's just deal with what's real. We used to get these calls on Loveline all the time. Educate adolescents and to prevent and to treat. If you have trouble, you can't stop and you want to help stop it, I can help. I got a lot to say. I got a lot more to say. Are you one of the millions of American women and men dealing with premature hair thinning and hair loss? Or maybe you're scared about inheriting that thinning look because it runs in your family? Start 2024 with a real solution that delivers results without the harsh side effects or unwanted chemicals and no need for prescription. Provia uses a safe natural ingredient, Procapil, to effectively target the three main causes of premature hair thinning and hair loss. By supporting healthy scalp circulation, the delivery of nourishing nutrients, and healthy hair follicle anchoring to your scalp, Provia guarantees more hair on your head than in the shower or on your comb. Right now, new customers save over 50% plus free shipping. Every introductory package includes a full 60-day supply of Provia serum for daily use, plus the Provia Super Concentrate for faster, more noticeable results. Don't wait. Order now to save an extra 10% and get free shipping at ProviaHair.com forward slash Drew. That's P-R-O-V-I-A-H-A-I-R, ProviaHair.com slash D-R-E-W. I think everyone knows the next medical crisis could be just around the corner, whether it comes in the form of another pandemic or something much more routine like a tick bite. You and your family need to be prepared. That's where the wellness company comes in. You know the wellness company. We have their physicians on like Dr. McCullough frequently. The wellness company and their doctors are medical professionals you can trust. And their new medical emergency kits are the gold standard when it comes to keeping you safe and healthy. It's really, it's a safety net. It's an insurance policy yeah, absolutely. that you hope you're not going to need. But if you need it, you sure as heck are going to wish you had it if you need it. Be ready for anything. This medical emergency kit contains an assortment of life-saving medications, including ivermectin, z pack the medical emergency kit provides a guidebook to aid in the safe use of all these life-saving medications. From anthrax to tick bites to COVID-19, the wellness company's medical emergency kit is exactly what you need to have on hand to be prepared. Rest assured, knowing that you have emergency antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics on hand to help you and your family stay safe from whatever life throws at you next. Go to drdrew.com slash TWC. That is drdrew.com forward slash TWC to get 10% off today. Just click on that link. 
As I said, my guest is Dr. Michael Nels. The book is The Indoctrinated Brain, How to Successfully Fend Off the Global Attack on Your Mind, excuse me, on Your Mental Freedom. It is out now. You can follow Dr. Nels at Nels, N-E-H-L-S-M-D on X, as well as Michael-Nels, N-E-H-L-S dot com. And uh, I've been rather preoccupied with this topic for a while. Uh, I have uh, been thinking a lot about indoctrination and about brainwashing and propaganda. And it, it gets uh, to the point where it's hard to know who to believe, right? Uh, there's a lot going on and they're all vying for your attention and for and attempting to persuade you. And Dr. Nels, in his book, makes the case there is something even more problematic going on. He calls neurological warfare. Please welcome Dr. Michael Nels. Hey, hello, true. Welcome. And thank you very much for the invitation. I feel honored. Thank you. Yeah, it's our privilege. So, you know, your background, you, you're a physician, you've done work in Alzheimer's disease, you're a, you're a specialized in uh, genetics and immunology or molecular genetics. What, what led you down this road? What, what was happening that got you to write this book? Well, there are many things. Uh, first of all, I was working very hard in the last 15 years on Alzheimer's disease, as you already mentioned. Uh, particularly what is the cause of the disease. And I discovered that not what is usually said, that the that age is actually the major, main, major cause of Alzheimer's. It's quite contrary. Age is actually quite good for us because we become more wise when we age, uh, unless, of course, uh, the, our autobiographical memory center, which is called the hippocampus, is not working right. And uh, I know from my research now that Alzheimer's can be prevented by 100%. So age is not the cause, age is just something that is required because it takes a few decades, usually uh, four or five or six to develop the disease. And what I learned about Alzheimer's is that uh, we, uh, we can prevent it by keeping a lifestyle that is more natural to uh, more close to our natural needs. And we were far off the natural needs already before 2020. And I wrote a book about this uh, before this one, it was called The Exhausted Brain, where I show that the mental energy that we need for thinking, for being curious, uh, for having a, a strong psychological resilience, which all together with our memory center, which uh, contains all the information that we have stored over, over our, our lifetime, that all this together is our mental immune system. And this was decaying already before 2020. And one of the consequences of this decay is a rise in depression rates and a rise in Alzheimer's rates. And the depression mm -hmm. rates, according to the World Health Organization, were like um, highest ever recorded in summer 2019. And then the measures came in 2020, and they were going completely in the wrong direction. And I already explained in my previous book, we will see um, a huge rise in depression rates. We will see a huge rise in Alzheimer's rates. And that's actually what's happening. And um, mm. that just made me curious because on the one side, we want to save people by these measures. On the other side, we, we throw them in, in, in a disaster. And this is just the tip of an iceberg. I mean, depression rates and Alzheimer's are just the tip of an iceberg of a society that, whose brains are not functioning very well. And that's maybe even the reason why all these strange measures in 2020 were accepted. But then we were even more uh, off the course 2020 
which led us to accept even more strange measures like the injection program of the mRNA. Totally experimental, no sane purple person would actually accept that. And uh, from my research in immunology, and particularly also on, on Alzheimer's, I, uh, I realized that Alzheimer's is essentially a, a disease which is caused by neuroinflammation. And it was already known from SARS-CoV-1, uh, the, the, the virus which tried to make a pandemic in 20 uh, in 2002 and 2003, uh, and uh, papers were published then three or four years later, they showed that the spike protein is quite able to cause inflammation of the brain, neuroinflammation, and that this new inflammation causes our autobiographical memory to shrink. And that, of course, is not a good thing. So the measures in 2020 uh, advanced the shrinkage of our hippocampus, of our uh, autobiographical memory center, and then it was even further advanced by the spike protein that was now not only delivered by the virus, but also by this mRNA program. And this together gave me the creeps. I was immediately aware that this is not, can't be true unless there's something else going on. And if you look at the the people who actually try to convince us that this is really important, that we actually follow the rules, that we accept everything that is done to us. These are the people who actually advance something which we call the Great Reset. And it was totally clear that the Great Reset uh, aims at something that is so far away from what people would accept unless they are kind of extremely brainwashed. And uh, now if you look at the, the hippocampus, our autobiographical memory center, if you really destroy its functionalities, and we go maybe more in depth on that, then you actually get into a situation where people accept accept essentially everything. And uh, and when when you look at this this program, this uh, reset program is almost like a new operating system that is installed into the brains of people. And as you know from computers, if you install a new operating system you have to first to destroy the previous one. You have to reformat the, the hard drive. And uh, as I describe in my book, with the measures taken in 2020 and even more in 21, when this mRNA program was introduced, all together essentially achieved exactly that. You erase essentially former memories and you replace them with the narratives that we are forced to memorize. So, okay, a lot packed into that. Um, have you documented the hippocampus shrinking across adulthood? And I asked that question because I have seen documentation of a relatively significant, I don't want to say pandemic, incidence of shrinkage of hippocampus in young adults due to childhood trauma. In this country in particular, mm -hmm. that is terribly common. Uh, have you have you controlled for that in your what you observe? First, I have a million other questions too, but that's my first one. Yeah, yeah, sure. Now, first of all, there are lots of studies out, large studies out, where we have data of the hippocampus size over the lifetime of people or on, on, on different life, uh, uh, yeah, different lifetimes. The largest study was from uh, the biobank in England, where approximately twenty thousand. English people, the hippocampus was measured on different lifetimes. And uh, we know that the hippocampus shrinkage rate is about 1.5% uh, starting in, in adulthood. 
Of course, the shrinkage is absolutely unnormal because if they call it normal, but it's unnatural. And uh, because right. we know if we change the lifestyle, we can measure an increase very quickly. Uh, so because right. the hippocampus is a unique feature to grow. What you are mentioning, of course, the the shrinkage already in, in childhood in early on is what we call post-traumatic stress syndrome. And in the post-traumatic stress syndrome, uh, actually the natural or the feature that we find in the hippocampus in the brain is specifically a shrinkage of the hippocampus. That's actually the, its right. unique feature. Yeah. Right. We got a lot of that over here. Uh, and then you, you've mentioned lifestyle and inflammation. So, so I, I want to dig into that a little more. And then there's a corollary question that, which I'll try to tag on at the end of this. So I'm guessing when you say inflammation, are you talking about microvascular inflammation and damage done that way? Or is there actually immune migration into some component of the neuronal or microglial system? So that's one question. Mm -hmm. You know, what kind of inflammation are we talking about here? And I'm guessing, you know, being overweight, American diet in particular, sedentary lifestyle, these are all risk factors for either of those, frankly, but particularly the microvascular would seem to me. And then I want to tag on the final, well, you, you answer those first, then I have a follow-on to whatever you say here. Yeah, sure. So actually, it's both, and it's very hard to differentiate between the two because inflammation is everywhere in, in, in a sense. If we eat wrong, if we eat, uh, for example, uh, too much uh, carbohydrates, we get these advanced glycation end products. They stimulate mm -hmm. the, uh, the, the receptor for those, the receptor of advanced glycation end products, uh, interestingly uh, abbreviated as RAGE. It's really a RAGE of the immune system, uh, pro-inflammatory. Mm -hmm. Uh, we have the inflammation in our vessels, which essentially cause atherosclerosis, which is one form of dementia. Mm -hmm. It could uh, come out of this, which we ca I call vascular dementia. But then we have the other form of dementia, which is caused by a destruction and non-function of the hippocampus. I call this one uh, hippocampal uh, dementia. It's the majority of cases, even though they're both so related and they actually support each other. So it's almost like this, a death cycle between mm -hmm. them. So vascular dementia, of course, causes uh, a, a blood flow to be diminished to the hippocampus, and that's not good. Right. The other side, right. the, uh, the Alzheimer's toxin, which is produced when the hippocampus is shrinking, uh, this one, of course, causes also inflammation in the vessels, which essentially activate the vascular dementia Issue. So it both are essentially there, but uh, if you want to differentiate the two, then we have more cases of Alzheimer's than of vascular dementia. But uh, since both are actually have the same origin of based in on, on a lifestyle that is unhealthy, um, it's it's it really doesn't matter at the end. But to to, to your okay. second question, second yep. question, the inflammation itself. We, when I talk about neuroinflammation, I mean the inflammation that is caused by the activation of cells in the brain, which we call microglia, mm. and the microglia okay. gets activated. Microglia, for example, has a receptor for uh, which which sees uh, microorganisms that have invaded the brain. There's even a receptor for the spike, so TLR4, it's called, and TLR4 actually sees the spike protein activates the microglia, which are the, the macrophages or the immune cells of the brain. And by this activation, 
clean up cells, but at the same time, recognizers of, of, of an attack of the brain by microorganisms. And they see the spike protein. And of course, uh, when they see the spike protein, they have essentially the readout, okay, we have a coronavirus infection of the brain. And consequently, yeah. they start a pro-inflammatory process. And the pro-inflammatory process leads to a production of pro-inflammatory cytokines like interleukin-1, interleukin-6, and a couple of others. And we know that these cytokines inhibit the production of new nerve cells in the hippocampus. And this production of new nerve cells is highly necessary that the hippocampus maintains its function. For example, mm. we are curious. For example, that we have a high level of resilience. And I have even shown that this production of new nerve cells is required that we can actually remember our own thoughts. They are the mental energy required for deep thinking, for alternative thinking, for thinking at all. So if you cut down the production of these nerve cells by creating neuroinflammation, then you not only have brain fog, which is one of the outcomes, uh, which are now known as long COVID, post-COVID or, or post-VAC, which I all call spicopathy, but a spicopathy essentially is an activation of the microglia with the result that the hippocampus is harmed and then we harm not only our memory center uh, or the ability to memorize things, what we also essentially harm is our ability to think, uh, our ability to be curious. We reduce our psychological resilience. And we see the result. We see in, 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 in 21, for example, there was an analysis from the German uh, Alzheimer's Society, and they compared the numbers from 2018 to 2021 in the cases of new, uh, new cases of Alzheimer's in Germany, and they had a rise by 31%. And this rise mm. was not only, uh, of course, uh, that we have more cases in the age group 65 plus, which is natural, or not natural, but the normal time it takes for Alzheimer's to develop. Uh, because these measures and the spike protein are so harmful and causing the neuroinflammation, we have also an acceleration of the disease process. So the first time we had of these almost 430,000 new cases in 21 in Germany, 100,000 of those were below the age of 65, clearly showing that not age is the cause, but uh, what was done to the population. Okay. So uh, my follow-on question, we're going to talk after this question about prevention, but my following question is in terms of the reset, uh, the people that are commonly associated with this reset do not look to me like people who are avoiding the hippocampal shrinkage for a variety of reasons. They're overweight, they're sedentary, they're not the picture of fitness, they've been taking, they're advocating for the, the uh uh, vaccine, they've allegedly taken the boosters, they've had COVID. Who's going to do the reset if every if everybody has the uh, shrunken uh, hippocampus? Well, it's, it's hard to tell who is actually behind everything that we are experiencing right now. And I'm not in the position actually to point out who is who really uh, has the has the, the key in his hands, you know, and really is uh, essentially orchestrating what we are, uh, what's going on worldwide. And that is orchestrated, it's obvious, you know, never in the 
never in the history of our planet were all all countries kind of unified in their approach and uh, without any questions asked. So, and we also know that the virus has been uh, created, and we know that the mRNA has been uh, has been introduced as a way to. Um, to kind of vaccinate people. And even if it's totally clear that it doesn't work, uh, it's continued with uh, with a great impact. So there is somebody behind it, but who it is, we don't know. We know who, who is actually advocating it, but if these are the real people or just uh, the front people, we don't know. So in terms of prevention, I just wrote down some some, I just jotted down things that I normally associate with a reduction of dementias and uh, improved vascular health. Uh, socialization. Uh, uh, my people that work with dementias always say that's probably numero uno. The, it's, of course, the opposite of what we did during lockdowns. Uh, sleep, important. Reduce carbohydrates. Lose weight. Exercise. Uh, avoid you know these processed, God knows what is in our food. Uh, am I getting at the basics here? Uh, absolutely. Uh, in uh, in my former books, I uh, I had a formula which is the formula against Alzheimer's disease, and uh, in the same formula now is in the new book, and uh, it applies to Alzheimer's. But essentially, it's a formula against indoctrination, because what this formula shows is what you need to do, in what areas of of your of your life, you need to change something. Maybe, maybe not. It's it's individual. Some people already exercise, so they don't. It doesn't apply. Some people sleep mm -hmm. already well. Some people have already a purpose in life. Some don't. So find one. Uh, check out what you're eating. Of course, it's not only the bad stuff we are eating. We are the huge problem is also the deficiencies. Deficiencies in micro micronutrients, for example. Even if people tell me they eat well, like a Mediterranean diet or an island diet, let's say an Asian diet, which is sometimes very healthy. But even if they do all that, certain things are missing. So in the northern hemisphere, like in Germany and probably also northern parts of America, United States, you certainly have a lack of vitamin D. And we know that, for example, vitamin D is not only only important for your mental health. So for example, with a, a vitamin D level of about 125 nanomole, and I per liter, this is the number you find in, in, in tribes in Africa that uh, live outside, that's it's a natural level of vitamin D. And uh, the level we measure in Germany, for example, in winter is around 25. This is a difference of 100 nanomole. And there are studies out which show you have a 7% decrease of the likelihood of developing Alzheimer's by just raising the vitamin D level by 10 nanomole. So if you go from 25 to yeah. 125, which would be natural, then we get a 70% decrease in the likelihood of Alzheimer's. And funnily, or interestingly, the same level, 125 nanomole, it's published peer-reviewed in several papers, uh, the likelihood of dying of COVID is essentially zero. Because mm. It's not only our mental immune system requiring this micronutrient, also uh, our physical immune system fighting microorganisms require it. And the cytokine storm that we essentially uh, is uh, we know is actually the real cause of severe COVID uh, can be completely right. inhibited if you balance 
the regulation of your genes in your, in your immune cells and vitamin D as a regulator of uh, gene uh, of genes in the in the immune cells and, and as well as in the in the nerve cells uh, is uh, if that is present at the highest at the level of 125 nanomole, then the cytokine storm is prevented. So the next great assault, as you've alluded to several times, is the spike protein itself, which causes, you called it a spikeopathy, I think is the word you use, which I, I love. Um, I, I, I call it a spike-induced endotheliitis. That's how I think of it. It's all the same. same we're all saying the same thing. Um, it's not surprising to me that uh, the spike was the target of a rapidly created vaccine that had to be rolled out instantly, uh, when people thought that was going to save many, many lives, it made makes sense at that point. What doesn't really. make sense? It, well, I, I'm, I, can, I understand that. Uh, that what doesn't make sense is that there are other better, literally better whole virus vaccines out there like Covaxin. And the continued push to use this spike generating vaccine against Omicron, which is a nothing for the vast majority of uh, the population. Uh, other, other than sinister forces, what are they telling? What is the justification for that? Uh, there's no justification at all for me, from my point of view. The parallel economy has empowered us to care for our health, well-being, as well as longevity. Likewise, for us pet parents who now have a place to go when it comes to keeping the family dogs, cats, even horses in the best shape possible. As a dog dad, I'm thrilled to be working with Pet Club 24-7, a company founded by two guys who lost dogs to serious conditions, including cancer. Pet Club 24-7 has an incredible array of products, including a line of supplements for humans, such as the Inforce Plus Corollius Versicolor and Inforce Corollius Versicolor with Reishi. My friend and colleague, Christina Ferrari, a cancer survivor herself, swears by it. When I was diagnosed, the doctor in the emergency room told me, you have two years to live. Oh boy. Along with the stem cell, I took these. I have been in remission for eight years now. For dogs, mush puppy treats are a fan favorite. Rex, you want to, oh boy. Oh, he came right. Oh, there he is. They are also made with the Coriolis Versicolor Mushroom, which supports their immune system according to hundreds of clinical studies. Here's Kristen Ludlow, National Vice President. That strain does matter. We do have the most potent strain, and we also extract it in a proprietary way, and that's why we've been having such wonderful experiences with these products. Mush puppies are made here in the U.S. There are no fillers. It's non-addicting. Your dog can't accidentally overdose. Go to drdrew.com slash petclub247 for a discount off the list price that is drdrew.com p-e-t-c-l-u-b 247 pet club 247 first of all the spike protein um, we know the spike protein is very harmful we already knew from SARS-CoV-1 uh, that it actually harms but, but the, attack my attack my Michael attack my asset what I said there because you said not necessarily when I said you know they had to roll something out fast and the spike protein was an obvious target and you said yeah, no not necessarily yeah, no, and, and by the way, I, there's some evidence that they would they that I'm gonna say as I've I've looked into this a lot these days, and there was some evidence they already had this underway where they were creating a coronavirus spike protein mRNA vaccine, and they just continued that work as opposed to going to the nuclear capsid or the whole virus, or these other things they could have done. Exactly. And then once they were once they were there, they wouldn't let go of it, which is the oddest thing in the world to me. But you keep going. I'm sorry. 
It's, it's totally odd. First of all, why use the mRNA? Because it, to vaccinate somebody, the immune system quickly realizes there's something strange in the body which shouldn't be there, and it starts to attack it and evolves around it and uh, is able to, to prevent further disease if a, a second infection comes along with the same virus or whatever it is. So you don't need mRNA, you just need the protein. First of all, and there was a suggestion even here in Germany, somebody produced enough protein. He said, we can, in, in a week, we can produce enough protein to essentially vaccinate everybody in Germany. And uh, he was actually attacked very heavily. So nobody wanted that. <laughs> then we know that the nuclear capsid uh, gives a much better uh, a target essentially for immunization. Uh, we know this already from infected people that if they have a high level, high titer of nuclear capsid antibodies, they are much more secure for a second or infection. Uh, third, uh, the mRNA had to be packed and it had to be packed by these lipid nanoparticles, which are inflammatory by themselves. But even worse, they were generated to cross the blood brain barrier, actually to introduce chemi chemicals for, against cancer, for example, into the brain. So now we have a stabilized mRNA that on a, in a vehicle uh, that actually packaged in a way that it can actually enter the brain. And I can tell you the spike protein has nothing to do in the brain. It's really dangerous. Then in, in addition to that, um, the spike protein itself was modified. Uh, there was a think tank that published already, it was essentially leaked, and a document that they proposed to the DARPA in 2018, we have to make a coronavirus a bioweapon by introducing this purine cleavage site. Now, the point is, even if this has happened in Wuhan, which I, which is, I think is clear enough by now, um, you, and, and this virus really escaped by accident, let's assume. And just by accident, they had already the, 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 the vaccination pipeline going <laughs> for this particular uh, mRNA just by accident. Yeah, good luck, yep. you know, that uh, I would uh, would love to be uh, such, a, such a crystal ball <laughs> in my hands. This would be very nice. But anyway, let's assume this happened all by accident. And um, then, of course, once you create this mRNA, you have a choice. You have a choice to remove the furine cleavage site. This choice you have, it's just actually a change of one one letter in mm. the alphabet of the DNA of the mRNA, mRNA, and you can remove it. But they didn't do it. So here, uh, purpose comes in. Here you can't deny that you actually did this by on purpose. And if you on purpose introduce this cleavage site, uh, you have to know, and I'm pretty sure they knew, the the S1 subunit that is then created can actually go into the brain. It crosses the blood-brain barrier by itself. So even if the mRNA is not reaching the brain by packaging the, the, the mRNA in the, in the lipid nanoparticles, uh, if it just maybe is produced, let's say, in your, I don't know, in your right hand or, your, or in your liver or wherever it, it reaches uh, an, an organ, then, of course, the, 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 the purine cleavage site will take care of the spike protein and release the, the S1 subunit. And this one is very stable. Uh, and can actually go into the brain. And here, uh, that's why I like the term spicopathy better than actually yours, to be honest, because here it's not sure. only about endothelial damage. The spike protein attaches usually endothelia on the ACE2 receptor. 
but it also has a receptor on the immune cells in the brain. And here it's not ACE2, it's TLR4. And TLR4 is, uh, mm-hmm. is essentially a receptor for pathogens. And uh, it immediately reacts to it. It essentially sees a spike protein and believes now that the brain has been infected by coronavirus and it reacts to it. And it releases yeah. pro-inflammatory cytokines. So it's a different direct, uh, yes. different reaction that we see only on the endothelia. And this reaction causes the, the production of uh, of the uh, of uh, interleukin one, for example. Interleukin one is known to be to be one of the most potent inhibitors of cell growth in the hippocampus in the production of neuron yeah. neurons, which are required to keep our mental immune system intact. Interesting. Yeah, we've been working with a long COVID group for throughout the pandemic, and they've been measuring. Uh, the, these various uh, circulating immune modulators and VEGF also goes up in these people that have all this inflammation post-COVID, post-vax. Um, I need to take a little break here. Um, I'm feeling like I should leave people with some good, something positive, uh, perhaps, uh, other than is there other things they could be doing other than the things we've said already, which is sleeping right, eating right, losing weight, socializing, exercising, those good things. I think the main thing they have to do is uh, find a purpose in life. I think that's where everything starts. You have to have a purpose in life. And I think the biggest purpose in life that everybody should have, Mm. uh, actually, particularly the people that are watching us right now from where I just know now by deduction that these people, everybody who's watching us right now, uh, have a good hippocampus, that their neurons are growing, and they shouldn't be too much concerned because otherwise they wouldn't be sitting here and watching us because they are curious, they are willing to think, and they are willing to do something. And it's, I think it's a time that we all start to do something, that we actually use our 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 ability to think that our mental immune system mm-hmm. allows us to have to actually uh, use it and uh, and help to 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 stop this this war against our brain by first of all saving ourselves and then of course saving all the others put the mask on yourself before you try to save somebody else we'll talk a little bit after break about some of the more indoctrinating um sort of phenomenon circulating about there and caleb before we go to break isn't it interesting how often leading a good life having purpose is coming into the conversations these days we are having oh yeah yeah, it is. Weird, Sorry, right? I wasn't. It's, I was. All, <laughs> I was responding on chats, and so I wasn't paying attention. But yeah, it's okay. True. Well, he 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 made the point again that finding purpose in life is a really important part of mitigating the effects of all these things we were talking about. Susan, you were leaning into your mic too. What do you oh mean? yeah, for sure. But but I I'll say the same thing I said um, recently that Caleb jumped on, which was in this country we we get a little confused about purpose and good lives. And understand that being leading a good life is fulfilling. It may not always be happy. And I'll just point out, Jesus led a good life, wasn't always happy. And if he had prioritized <laughs> happy as the only purpose for himself, things would have turned out quite a bit different. So it's leading a good life, which we all need to think about. And the present moment, I agree with Dr. Nels, the, the present moment calls for all of us to be thinking about that and to stand up and do things where we are called upon. 
Take a little break. Uh, the book, let's put the book up again, The Indoctrinated Brain. Let's put up the full screen if you don't mind. There we are. Uh, get it now. Read all this. Argue with your friends about it. Uh, warn them. And I'll be back with Dr. Michael Nels after this. Ladies and gentlemen, let's make a resolution that's easy to keep and delivers immediately on its promise. With GenuCell Skincare, you can turn back the clock and look 5, 10, even 15 years younger. And right now, GenuCell Skincare is celebrating 2024 with its New Year's sales event. Save over 60% off all of our favorite GenuCell products with one of our customized skincare routine packages. Say goodbye to those fine lines in the forehead and run your corner of your eyes. Sagging jawline, dark marks, skin redness, even under eye bags. Leave them in 2023. GenuCell works for women and men. It's safe for all skin types and perfect for skin of any age. Plus, with its immediate effects, GenuCell promises results that will make you smile. Guaranteed or 100% of your money back. Start your new year look off right with one of our custom GenuCell skincare bundles right now at GenuCell.com Drew. Use our special code Drew at checkout for extra savings off your order today. And remember, every order placed is automatically upgraded to free shipping. Don't wait. That is genucel.com forward slash Drew, G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com slash D-R-E-W. Well, most of my career, I've been urging people to kick habits, change habits. Well, this time, I'd like to suggest getting into the habit of adding Paleo Valley grass-fed bone broth protein to your daily nutrition regimen. Here's CEO Autumn Smith. It's made from cows with 100% grass-fed and finished and bones. They're bones rather than the hide most Bone broth or collagen powders are made from hides or hooves, but ours is actually made from the bone because it'll contain additional nutrients. Bone broth is a way to bring back those nutrients, those minerals, and there's glucosaminoglycans, and then there's collagen, which helps us prevent wrinkles and joint pain and actually heals our gut. There's, there's gelatin, and there's just all of these ingredients that the modern diet has kind of left by the wayside. Susan and I have been mixing the chocolate-favored bone broth literally into our coffee every morning for months, and we've noticed a difference in our energy, appearance of our hair, skin, nails. Susan's particularly very happy with this. The bioavailable protein also helps us feel satiated. That's the part I'm happy with. Paleo Valley bone broth also comes in vanilla and pure, unflavored, and can easily be added to your coffee, smoothies, yogurt. Go to drdrew.com slash paleo, P-A-L-E-O, for 15% off your first order. Again, that is drdrew.com slash paleo. We all know the value of a good night's sleep. We feel better, look better, have more energy to spare, but you could be missing out on all of those benefits if you're sleeping on sheets that are too hot or too cold or just plain uncomfortable. I have the solution. Cozy Earth Bedding. Cozy Earth is the softest and most comfortable sheets, blankets, loungewear, and more. They use premium viscose from highly sustainable bamboo, and we sleep in them regularly. I wear their t-shirts. Susan wears their pajamas. Cozy Earth Bedding comes with a 100-night sleep trial, which means you have up to 100 nights to sleep on them, wash them, try them out. If you're not in love, just return them within 100 days for a full refund. Susan and I love them. In fact, we have Cozy Earth sheets on our bed right now, and they made a huge difference in our sleep. If you've never tried Cozy Earth, we have some awesome news. You can save up to 35% off Cozy Earth right now. But hurry, this offer will not last. Go to CozyEarth.com, enter my promo code DREW at checkout for up to 35% off on your first order. That is CozyEarth.com, promo code DREW, C-O-Z-Y-E-A-R-T-H, CozyEarth.com, code D-R-E-W. It's funny, I, I saved my Cozy Earth t-shirt today. I was going to wear it and I thought, oh, I'm going to save it for when 
Another, I don't know why. And I am drinking bone broth in my salty cracker <laughs> a copy right now. Um, a quick thing about vaccine. Uh, Paul Alexander, because tomorrow or Thursday he's going to come back in. Can you guys help me with that? I, I can find it on the calendar real quick. But he, we're going to clarify Thursday his vaccine policy. Thursday. And my vaccine position, you know, how, how you could have nuanced and differing opinions about these things and still be very, very concerned about the kinds of things that Dr. Nels is talking about today with us. Uh, again, for my practice of medicine, I am called upon to use my judgment to make a risk-reward analysis for every given patient in front of me. Oftentimes, I am taking great risk. Oftentimes, in order to achieve a certain reward that makes that risk worth it. So please don't think because I use a product, I think it is totally safe. I think the risk-reward calls for it. In, and only in certain populations and only in certain patients. That's how medicine is practiced. This mandating all of anything is frankly disgusting. My guest is Dr. Michael Nels. He's a physician. He's a geneticist. I'm sure you agree with me on this, this, uh, this complete evisceration of the practice of medicine by these centralized authorities. I, did you ever imagine at this point in, in your career or my career, we'd be having this conversation. No, I, I, I was stunned when I saw that. I mean, we put, first of all, we knew that if anybody dies from COVID, it was in the old, oldest age group, first of all. Then we knew already that, uh, and it was published very early, that nobody would die from COVID, even in the older age groups. Um, if they have a, a sufficiently working immune system. So first of all, what you have to do is bring the immune system in a situation where it can deal with the virus and not um, uh, create a situation where uh, this, uh, the immune system actually kills the patient by creating this cytokine right. storm. And for example, right. the Cancer Research Center, based on uh, observational and, and, and other studies showed already in November 2020 that uh, before the vaccination program started, that no, that nine of ten, nine of ten COVID patients could have been saved, the life could have been saved by just increasing uh, the vitamin D level. And papers later on showed really that this vitamin D lack of vitamin D is the cause. It really is the cause of the cytokine storm. So if even if you are already sick with COVID, sick enough that you have to go to the hospital, you can't stay at home anymore, and you raise immediately the vitamin D level, which is actually the vitamin uh, pro-hormone level, because it's not vitamin D that you actually eat, it's the pro-hormone that is the vitamin transformed by hydroxylation in the liver. In this form, if this one is raised quickly by giving the people pro-hormone vitamin D, then nobody dies. Nobody dies, even if it's, he's already so bad uh, infected that he had to go to the hospital. And these studies were out. So we knew before the vaccination program started that it wasn't necessary. Nobody dies of COVID if they are treated well. So, so let's talk about, if you don't mind, the indoctrination part of this. So once we're softened up neurobiologically and immunologically, what are some of the indoctrination, uh, I guess we would call them phenomena, 
that are flying around that uh, concern you? Yeah, and when everything is concerning me, the fear mongering by itself is already detrimental to the hippocampus. Uh, you talked uh, early on when we started the conversation about children who experience something bad and have this post-traumatic stress syndrome. There was actually a paper published and sponsored by the Bill and Melinda Gates uh, Foundation uh, that the um, that something else exists as well. We don't. There's something which we call pre um, uh, pre-traumatic stress syndrome. That means the trauma has not happened yet. We just imagine it. And that's sufficient to have the hippocampus shrinking. So if you if just- I, If I could interrupt you, Michael, if I could interrupt you, you mean something like saying hide shelter in place and if you go out and play with your peers, you're gonna kill your parents? You mean something yeah. like that? You mean that something might like be enough? Of course, of course you're gonna see depression in kids like that. It's intuitively obvious. The mechanism you're providing us no, I, not surprising, but please continue. I'm sorry. Absolutely. It's, it's, uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, it, it's um, it's peer-reviewed publications out there which show that just telling people that something bad will happen has already the same effects as if it had happened to them in, in reality. And so, mm -hmm. so, and I was really wondering why the Gates Foundation actually sponsored this kind of research and published it. But it's clear by me mm -hmm. for me now that they were studying the effects of fear mongering, uh, the effect on the hippocampus. So that's already bad. And then, of course, we have all yeah, these. That, that is already bad. It's already yeah, bad. Keep going, please. Yes. And then, of course, what happens uh, now when this the hippocampus is not able to produce new cells based on the fact that we uh, are isolated, all the measures that have taken place 2020, the fear mongering that continues in, in all areas, being at uh, climate change, being at uh, world, uh, uh, world war, maybe by fights over certain borders, which are currently ongoing on several places on the earth. And of course, the, the, the World Economy Forum, which talks about perma pandemics. And um, so what is happening there? If you don't produce new cells in the hippocampus, which I call index neurons, because they memorize where and when we essentially had a thought, where and when we, in our lives we had um, an experience that we wanted to remember. And these neurons are required to recall this memory. And if these cells are not produced, then of course we cannot memorize new things unless, unless you actually override pre-existing memories. And now if the spike, for example, uh, the neuroinflammation causes the hippocampus to stop producing new index neurons, and you at the same time, you have this fear monitoring and the narratives pounding on your head, essentially, and, and force you to memorize all these things, despite the fact that you actually have no memory uh, capacity, then you override previous experiences. That it means you diminish the, le the, the amount of personal experiences and your individuality essentially shrinks. You lose your personality, your individuality, and it is essentially um, overridden and uh, by, by the narratives. And what you get out of this, you can imagine. You have people that have a reduced personality, a reduced individuality, and when they think about themselves, they only think about the narratives as being part of them. And uh, I have encountered this even personally. If you, if you 
I have family members who really believed everything that they were told, and there was no ability, no no possibility for me to discuss anything with them because mm. the narrative had become already part of their personality. And uh, so it's not a, a neutral discussion about any topics, about the science behind it or anything else. Uh, it is the very moment this, the, 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 these narratives become part of their personality, um, everything changes. It's impossible because when you discuss the narrative, then you'd essentially put their personality into question. And of course, that's what the people don't like. Interesting. Uh, it's a, the tribalism, the attack on the self, all, all these sorts of mechanisms. Do, do you have any specific recommendations uh, in terms of resisting uh, other than the healthy brain piece of this? Are there things for people to be aware of, to recognize uh, when they're being manipulated? I, I just feel like I, I've been thinking about this a lot lately, and I guess that's why I'm asking you the question very directly, which is that I never, <laughs> you know, I was trained like you as a scientist, so persuasion was not something on my mind. Uh, and when I thought about getting patients to comply with recommendations, it was really about just being clear, not being persuasive. Uh, but persuasion has suddenly become this incredibly powerful um, phenomenology that's afoot. And uh, I'm blanking on the names of the the name of the Yale professor that had the uh, oh gosh darn it the <laughs> very famous experiment where he got people to electrocute. Uh, he essentially got people to pretend that they believe that they were electrocuting subjects because a authority figure told them to. Remember, Don't look at me. Uh, Milgram? Milgram experiment. Thank you very much. He's looking at me. The Milgram, the Milgram experiment. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, I thought about that as sort of a weird anachronism and we had outgrown all that. We weren't, we weren't subject to that anymore because we understood propaganda. Oh my God, was I wrong. Uh, it's never been more powerful. It's never been more pervasive. There's never been more hysteria. What do we do to protect ourselves? Well, first of all, not everybody was assaulted by this. By this, we call this. You know, there was a Nobel Prize in two thousand two um, given to Daniel Kahneman in economics, actually, but he's a psychiatrist, and and uh, you know the story. I mean, it was he essentially discovered with others that we have two thinking system. He called one system, system right. one, which is the, the fast right. acting system. Uh, I actually think it's not a thinking system. It's just reaction. It's unconscious. And yeah. it's a misnomer, yeah. in my opinion, maybe good for the book he published, which says uh, yeah. uh, idle, thinking fast, thinking slow. But the thinking fast is not really thinking. The thinking slow is thinking, but it requires energy. The energy actually resides in these new cells that are produced. And so... Yeah. Um, and, and we need this energy to think and to memorize our thoughts. So, um, so about 20-25% of the people in on, on our globe did, didn't essentially accept what was what what they were told. And uh, this reminds me of an, an experiment that was done in the mid of the 19th of the 20th century by Solomon Nash. He essentially tested people if they rather follow the mass or follow their common sense. And it was clear mm. that there is a certain percentage, and it was actually the same percentage that refused the injection now. Uh, and I was wondering even if this is genetic or something else. 
But there are at least 20, 25% which didn't accept what was going on. They were skeptical and they, and they realized there's something really going on wrong. And this is a large percentage. Now, when Solomon Nash did this experiment, he changed the, 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 um, the, uh, the, the setting of the experiment. And then, then this, the, the group that actually said something wrong and, uh, and, and the, one person which was tested and was asked to follow the, the wrong speaking mass or, or, or its own common sense. When the mass became smaller, just by one person, one out of 10, uh, one out of 11, then the likelihood that this one person with being tested follows his common sense increased dramatically. So it's very mm. important, in my opinion, that the 23, 24% that understand that there's something wrong going on, uh, and many of them are watching us, hope, hopefully, that these people have to stand up and tell the others we are also a greater, a greater mass. We are not, you're not alone. And, uh, so you, 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 you can trust maybe us more than the others. You can trust your common sense. And I'm seeing that already in Germany and it gives me a lot of hope. So we see already that the third, fourth or fifth injection is refused more and more. And there's a new maturity coming along. Officially, of course, nobody talks about this maturity, but I think we have a maturity, meanwhile, already of people who understand that something is um, is going astray, that we have to refuse it. And we see it here in Germany very well at the moment. And that's probably one of the reasons my, my book is now a bestseller for five months already in Germany, which I didn't expect mm -hmm. when I wrote it, because at that time I thought I'm pretty much on my own. But this tells me that something is changing and that the Nash experiment uh, is essentially telling us that uh, more people are waking up because they are aware that there is uh, there's a group of people like us who tell them the truth because they see the side effects of the vaccine, they see how people are suffering, and they see all the other things that are going on, and we have to keep up and tell them. And I think that's, uh, that's I think, is the most important part. And this is what I was talking about previously when we discussed that, that this is the purpose in life. It's not about happiness. It's not making me happy telling people the, what is going on, but it's, it, it is a very important purpose in life because it helps me to preserve, hopefully, the world in a, in a way that it makes sense for my kids and my grandchildren to live and, uh, and be, and, and have the, the, the chance to pursue a happiness. And, uh, I think that's important. And the Nash experiment, if I remember, it was just a, a, a line, you know, the group said this line was longer and it was clearly not longer. Was it that experiment? Yeah, there were three lines, A, B, and C, and they yeah. had to propel it to a, a fourth line, let's say D. And D was exactly the length of B, but the group was instructed to say A is the correct uh, answer. A is, is identical to, B, to D, even if it wasn't. And the, the 12th person was the actual person that was tested. And he heard the answers of the other 11 and said, well, it looks like B, but they all tell me it's A. So I have to make a decision now. Do I follow the group and say wrongly it's A, or do I follow my my uh, own uh, yeah common sense and say okay it's B? What, yeah. what does matter what the group is saying? 
and 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 uh, the the line was obviously the same too. The other two were obviously it was, it was not obviously matching. Obviously the up. same. Yeah. But if one yeah. of the eleven was also allowed to say B, then of course this one person that was tested was not alone anymore, and the likelihood increased right. from twenty percent to forty percent. And this is where I see so, a lot of hope at the moment. Yes, I, I, you're giving me hope actually, even just having that, just shouting that out, frankly. Are you aware of what was going on in France during some of the mandates? I, I was in Paris a couple of years ago when the mandates were peaking and the youth were out in the streets demonstrating against mandates. They were saying, look, you've told us this illness is not going to harm us. Now you're going to force us to put something in our bodies. This is not the founding principle of a re republic built on liberty. This is the opposite of that. And I, I really admired that. And I... I, I'm let you vamp about this for a second. Are, a, are you aware of that? B, is it other other country where that kind of thing is going on? And C, is it maybe the French are sort of sensitive to that kind of thing because of their history? I mean, they've had lots of mob misadventures, and so they maybe they're less likely to go on with the mob because of their history. Well, uh, it's hard to tell because uh, the vaccination rates were in France were at the end at, at least as high as in Germany. And in Germany, they were about 75 to 80%. So the national experiment essentially, I think, was pretty much the same everywhere. Uh, mm. if there were, if there were demonstrations, we had demonstrations in Germany too. But of course, uh, not as many people went out as they, as they should have. So I think the numbers of people refusing the vaccination were pretty much the same. But in Germany, they were not allowed. This is one of the reasons mm. why I really push now uh, that uh, that we are going on the streets, that we are uh, uh, fighting against that. And we see people now uh, doing that. For example, there is now uh, new laws in Germany regarding um, regarding the fuel for, for, for the agricultural industry, that it has uh, that it will become more expensive, cutting down essentially the ability of many farmers to produce the goods for life. And uh, what I see now very strongly is that people go on the street, people which are not farmers, but they support the farmers. And I think this kind of change in, in the ability or in the willingness to fight uh, is uh, probably coming along at the right moment. And, um, and maybe what people experienced in the last four years made them aware that it's really time to stand up. Yeah, I think you could be right. Let me ask a, a follow-on question to the uh, have a meaningful life uh, uh, recommendation you've made. Is Do you feel like um, some sort of spiritual component is important to that? Have we lost track of that? I mean, humans seem to need something in that zone and things not so good fill in if they don't have that, but I'll let you speak to it. Well, I'm not an expect, expert, expert in, these, in these areas, but uh, I would support your notion here. Uh, we need to have more spirituality. We, uh, in, in my, from my personal perspective, spirituality is meaning being more together, uh, one with nature. Uh, nature is very important. We are part of nature and we lost this connection. Uh, we lost this connection in medicine very heavily. So if people, for example, have a deficiency in vitamin D, and they create a develop essentially a depression out of this. Uh, then they go to the doctor and the doctor says, well, depression, I have a prescription here for you. But practically speaking, uh, yeah. the lack of vitamin D is the problem. 
And, uh, and vitamin D is necessary. It's part of our nature. We are not outside of nature. Uh, and I think that is something that is really weird. We believe that humans dominate nature and are not really part of nature. But we are natural beings and we have natural uh, necessities which come out of uh, which are defined by our evolution. And if we ignore these necessities, we get sick. We might not get sick immediately, as my wife usually tells. It doesn't kill you immediately, but it doesn't mean that it has not long-term effects. And if the long-term effect, for example, is that we get Alzheimer's, then the short-term effect is that we are not uh, as, as efficient in our thinking, even if we are young, and we make the wrong decisions. And one of the wrong decisions is really that uh, that we don't think we are part of nature anymore and that we don't have natural needs. And I think this is the biggest problem. And being more close to nature, seeing the spirituality in nature, maybe brings us closer to nature and accept that we have to nourish our, our mind, our body with the good stuff. And uh, then, of course, our hippocampus will be very happy. He will grow. <laughs> and uh, if the hippocampus is happy, we all will be happy. We will be more creative. We will be more curious. We will be more outgoing. We will be, will be more social. And we realize that everything that we do locally will have effects all over the world. Isn't it interesting that uh, sunlight is what gives us our 125-dihydroxy active vitamin D uh, molecule? And that's out in the world. And, you know, I the way I think about it, is um, we've lost track of our embeddedness. It's like we've disintegrated so many things. You know, we, we've thought only about the brain, but of course the brain is, historically, certainly in the 1990s, we were just busy with the brain. Well, the brain is embedded in a body, in an autonomic and a peripheral nervous system. Uh, and the body's embedded in a environment and a family and a community and that is embedded in a historical context, in a social, larger social context. Uh, and it's all embedded in the, the world, <laughs> quite literally, which is the natural world. Uh, and so we, we've sort of compartmentalized all these things. And I think every step of the way, it's to our detriment. Yeah, absolutely. You're completely right. I can only uh, underwrite or subscribe what you're saying. Uh, we have to go back to nature. We have to accept we are part of nature in with all facets. Yeah, family, family life. I mean, we lost the, the contact to our families. Uh, we are, for example, we are aging. We could age up to the age of 120. To the oldest woman was was alive ever was 122 years old. Uh, it is known that every girl that is born right now has the possibility. 50% uh, chance to reach the uh, the age of 100 years. What my research shows that even at the age of 100, we can, are, can still be curious, we can still learn, and the hippocampus can still grow, meaning we don't get Alzheimer's, but we become more wise. And this is the ability that we have because we have a purpose in life, and, we, uh, and the purpose in life of old people essentially is to give their wisdom to the children and to the grandchildren. And this is completely lost in our modern society. We believe Google, but yeah. we don't believe our grandparents. The life experience that they have is so important. And if we don't, if we're not interested in their life experience, then their purpose in life is essentially lost 
And that is one of the causes of Alzheimer's and depression. So it's a sad a, a vicious cycle, and we have to change that. We have to go back to family, and, and we have to believe that family is important. We have to understand that because it is natural to be in a family and not uh, just on our own all the time. And uh, divide and conquer, I guess, is what we are experiencing right now. We are conquered because we are well. divided. It's if you look at history, it's it's every time ideology takes over. Ideology is not natural. It's some abstraction that humans come to and decide that's the new natural, and it never turns out well for human beings. I I want to go back quickly to some biology for a second. You know, uh, a lot has been made, and you made the case today about the lipid nanoparticles and the mRNA itself, and of course, there's concerns about DNA contamination. But I have to say. I've been using the RSV vaccine for patients and I have not seen a single side effect. Of course, it's in patients that are at high risk and for whom RSV could be devastating and I'm willing to take that risk. But I, I, I really, it makes me, that, that clinical experience makes me think, man, that spike protein is so much the problem <laughs> because I've seen lots of vaccine reactions, lots. Uh, and I've just and nothing like that from the RSE. Of course, I'm not vaccinating young people. Nor would I, by the way. I don't. I don't vaccinate young people. I don't recommend that. Um, but I've seen other people who have vaccinated young people, and I see what happens to them. It's not great. Um, any thoughts about that? Or am I just eventually going to see stuff from that platform? Or is it really? Or is that clinical experience telling me that the big enemy is the spike protein? Uh, from my point of view, the biggest enemy is the spike protein. The spike is really toxic. It's neurotoxic. It's toxic for the endothelia. It's toxic for the whole body. And the body usually wants to get rid of it very quickly. And it usually does if it's not a modified version. So we have to do something about this. Um, so in, uh, I actually support, and you find it on my website, I just uh, wrote a large article about one possibility to stop and uh, the neuroinflammatory process activated by the spike protein, and that is by giving people low-dose lithium. Uh, I actually suggest yeah. lithium, lithium orotate uh, because we know yeah. the spike protein essentially is recognized by the TLR4, the receptor which I mentioned in the microglia and the immune cells of the brain. If they yeah. essentially recognize this receptor, a cascade essentially is started an information cascade in the, up to the nucleus of the cell, which then is activating all these genes for the pro-inflammatory cytokines. And the transducer of this signal is called GSK3-beta. Uh, the name doesn't mean anything at the moment. I, I, I can mention it, but it doesn't right. matter. So GSK3-beta right. is an important transducer of the signal that is, uh, is essentially uh, activated by the recognition of the spike protein. And the natural inhibitor of GSK3-beta is lithium. So lithium, mm. and from the natural history of humans, we know that their brains, or our brains, essentially develop in a time frame when we were not actually uh, hunters and gatherers, but rather fishermen and gatherers. And uh, I actually mm. published a book about this. It's called The Algae Oil Revolution, because I recommend algae oil as a, as a source of omega-3 fatty acids which are needed for the brain and actually needed for the hippocampus, specifically at high doses. So anyway, uh, in this time, we were essentially forced by drought, caused by um, 
an ice age, which was lasting over 70,000 years, that we had to live on at the ocean. And the fish from the ocean has a hundred times higher concentration of lithium than fish from freshwater, because freshwater has a low amount of lithium in it. So anyway, this way we were used to get one to two milligrams of lithium a day. Lithium at this dose is called is a, an essential trace element according to the World Health Organization for rats and goats. And I know, for example, fruit flies live 30% longer if they get a little amount of lithium. So it's essential mm. for every animal that we know of, except for humans, and <laughs> ridiculously. But we know it would buffer the, the effect of the spike protein. In addition, it was shown that lithium at a low dose um, also activates neurogenesis of the hippocampus, and it activates what we call uh, autophagia, meaning the removal of microorganisms which are not functioning um, or proteins that are dysfunctional. And it was a paper published just recently, and you find it on my website, that uh, proposes that uh, lithium can be used to remove the spike protein, low-dose lithium. And uh, we know that TLR4 is responsible for the brain fog, the activation of the TLR4 by, by the spike protein. And the University of Buffalo recently published a press release, and they're now conducting a, a larger study, where they show that lithium low-dose removes the brain fog quite efficiently. The doctor tested it. Oh, interesting. Years. And nine of 10 patients immediately had no, had uh, essentially the brain fog removed after long COVID. And I'm pretty sure since long COVID is a spicopathy, the same will happen in patients that have the post-vax syndrome. So that's at least what I would try, low-dose lithium, ideally lithium orotate, because orotate is an active transporter in our brain, uh, over the brain, mm. not brain area, which essentially allows us to use low amounts of lithium because a lot of it is transported in the brain where it actually activates or inhibits the neuroinflammatory deathly cycle. And then not not worry about the uh, thyroid and kidney issues with lithium then. No, no, it's not the, a low dose. The, it's a yeah. Yeah, exactly. But but you know, it's funny, uh, I actually took fluvoxamine, which is a similar idea which is activating the sigma-1 receptor anti-inflammatory system. And it cleared my, it helped clear my COVID fog after a bad case of COVID. And uh, after the first dose, within 30 minutes, the ringing in my ears went away, which was odd. And then the fog improved considerably, as did stamina. So again, that the inflammatory system in the brain is, is a key target for the post-vax and the post-COVID. And probably, you know, if we're smart, acute COVID as well, which is kind of odd that we let the acute COVID have its way with us. You know what I mean? Like if we want to worry about what, how the Actually, COVID itself is affecting the brain, it's, it's during the acute COVID, I think we have the most trouble. Actually, this is already published, uh, what you're saying. Uh, I actually proposed in 2021, I wrote a book, it's called The Corona Syndrome. It was only published in German so far, German language. But there I proposed lithium as an antidote against acute, acute COVID already. And it's already known in my paper, Unified Theory of Alzheimer's Disease, which you might want to put up. Uh, here I show in my paper uh, that um, low-dose lithium is, the, is actually effective 
in essentially stopping the progression of Alzheimer's because it stops neuroinflammation mm. and it activates the neurogenesis as the as the main uh, main reason why you actually um, uh, are able to to stop the Alzheimer's process. But now, is, is that something uh, where you get a supplement over the counter, or you have to get prescribed it's actually, the lithium? Uh, it's it's not it's not accepted as an essential trace element, which has some mm. uh, some problems with it because it, it is uh, essential. I make the case actually in my paper that is on my website. But uh, since it's not accepted, uh, in, interestingly, in in America you get it over the counter. In in Germany, you actually need a prescription by a physician. And you need a, a pharmaceutical, uh, you need a, 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 a essentially a, what is called where you get the, the drugs. Um, yeah, the, where do you get the prescription? Prescription, yeah, the prescription. Where you go to somebody, mm. a pharmacy. You know, you go to the uh, and you have to well, get. If, the, if are you are you recommending people go out and get lithium now uh, if they have any yeah, concerns? Absolutely, I take it myself. I take lithium. What do you take? What exactly do you take? Like, what's the dose? What's the form? Form. I take about one milligram. The essential dose, and you will find it in my paper. Uh, the essential dose of lithium is one milligram. The effective uh, dose mm -hmm. of lithium, as a lithium or li lithium orotate. Oh, wait, say it again. Lithium or orotate. Orotate. Okay. Yeah. And orotate mm -hmm. is actually is also important. It's something that the brain needs to produce nucleotides. Which is essential for the production of new, new new cells in the brain. So neurogenesis actually requires also orotate. So the combination of both is ideal. And of course, the one milligram refers to the lithium in the orotate. You need like twenty five milligrams of the complex because uh, the orotate is heavier than the lithium. Uh, that is the, for me, is the essential dose, and I take a five time higher dose. Uh, I recommend at the moment. To uh, to get rid of the brain fog, but once you get rid of it, mm. you can reduce it again to the essential dose. And the essential dose is what I take every day since years. We we uh, have a lot of vaccine injured people that uh, stop by and listen to this stuff. So maybe there's something they could try. Certainly talk to your doctor about that if there's any question. Um, doctor, what's that, Susan? You yelled out without having your mic on. Get the on. book. Get get his. Is it in the book? Is it, it well? It's on the website. That's what he said, right? It's in the website, uh, but do get the book too, so you can. Uh, the website is Michael Dash Nels N E H L S. Uh, follow him on Twitter as well, X N E H L S M D. The book is the Indoctrinated Brain: How to Successfully Fend Off the Global Attack on Your Mental Freedom. Put it up there, Caleb. Let's get one more look at it before we kind of wrap things up here. Uh, this does, it's a whole interesting new avenue for us to pay attention to. Uh, Dr. Nell's attempts to answer a lot of questions that uh, are flying around out there. Uh, is there anything we have left out, Michael, uh, before we wrap this up? I think, I think we have left out a lot of things that people can now find in the book. <laughs> Fortunately. Perfect. But uh, I think what yeah. this book really is, is a, you are a physician, I'm a physician, and you, we both know that a therapy can only work, uh, sometimes it works accidentally maybe, but it really only works if we have the right diagnosis. And I'm pretty sure mm. this book gives us the right diagnosis of what was happening and what is going to happen, most likely. And so I really truly believe that uh, it also offers the right therapy and uh, to heal the, the, the our society. 
And I'm pretty sure if we really, uh, really take up the task, we will be better off than even before COVID ever happened. Oh, yeah, it has certainly exposed a, a lot of things to us that were underway and uh, sort of, we, I feel like uh, pre-COVID, we're naive to a lot of things that we are not so much naive to anymore, regardless what, who, and, and who you are out there listening to this conversation and what your opinions are. Uh, I guarantee you, whatever your opinion is, whatever you've concluded, you still have a different feeling um, about how you were before COVID as opposed to now. Uh, Dr. Michael Nels, I really appreciate you spending time with us. Uh, I know you're in a different time zone and whatnot, so I'm going to let you go. Um, and is other than the Nels MD on X and your website and the book, is there any place else you'd like people to find you? Uh, I have a Substack too, but you will find it over my website, so it would not be a problem. Perfect. Thank you, sir. Stay in touch. Thank you. Thank you very much. And there we go. Uh, interesting stuff, right? Uh, another new, interesting. I'm thinking about that uh, lithium orotate. I'm, uh, yeah, it's, it's, that's very interesting. Especially with the Alzheimer's uh, connection. Any... Like, I, I actually pulled up how he had his paper ready to show on screen because I was reading it while he was talking. And so when he mentioned, it, I just popped it right mm. up. He actually wrote that it was published back in 2016. So that that article, that mm. whole research paper has been out for a long time about connecting lithium use for uh, helping Alzheimer's disease. And and look, these are scientific. Can theories. I get some of that? Yeah, yeah, I'll get you some. You, you, you scared <laughs> me a couple times lately. Where I, <laughs> I think I might want to give you that. Um, uh, but these are scientific theories. These are not fact, right? These are these are attempts to understand and, con and create a con construction of what's going on here and possible ways of helping people. That's all. Um, and it may end up being true, true. or it may not. Uh, but these are all things to s think, ruminate about, think on, decide. You know, are you going to read the book? I, I doesn't seem like a book you ought to read. And the fact that it's a bestseller in Germany is really an interesting little uh, footnote there. So true. tomorrow, uh, yes. Oh, if you could give like a quick, so every time I've heard of any, like if I had a friend that was on lithium, it was almost because of some sort of a severe, like a mental health sort of a thing. So I've never heard of lithium it's being used in disorder. this way. It, no, is it different dosages or what is, how is this, how is what he's talking oh, yeah, about very, different it, than like extreme? Yeah. He's talking about lithium orate. We, usually it's lithium carbonate that is used uh, for bipolar disorder, for manic depression. It was the first drug sort of used for that. It was very effective. There are better drugs now, so it's not used that often. In the doses that we use it for bipolar disorder, you have to get blood tests to make sure it's in the therapeutic range and not too low or too high. It can affect the kidney in various ways that are not so great, and it can affect the thyroid in various ways that are not so great. None of them devastating, but things that need to be monitored in case those things develop. Sort of, I believe it's interstitial nephritis and kidney, and then thyroid, it can have protein effects on thyroid function. So there is that. He is not talking about that. He's, he's talking like literally a, thousand, a hundredth less dose um, of, of the lithium in a slightly different format that doesn't even get to these other organs. So uh, the other thing it is sometimes used for, or historically has been used for, is to enhance the effect of antidepressant medication, particularly serotonin reuptake inhibitors. So sometimes people will be on something like Zoloft or Prozac and a small amount of lithium. Though I've noticed in recent years, they've not been doing so much of that. So that is lithium that you've heard about uh, in lore. 
Does that answer everybody's question, Caleb? Yeah, that, that answers it. Yeah, that, no, that questions. answers it because I, I just I'd only heard of lithium as in like extreme cases, so I'd never heard of it in used in this way. But his paper is very interesting, so I suggest people go go look at that. Yeah, it's, it's from twenty sixteen. Smart guy, interesting guy, and again, this is how science is done. It moves forwards. It's a wheel that turns very slowly, and some things get cast off, and some get incorporated in and stay in this thing that. Thus saith the Lord is science is just anathema to science. So Wouldn't it be tomorrow, wild if uh, like speaking. something like lithium actually does help with the brain fog in that way? It's something that's been around for so long that already exists that uh, look, how about, how, look, how about like, fluvoxamine? How about right. Steve, Steve uh, Kirsch and his work on fluvoxamine? It helped me a great deal. It's helped a lot of people. Not everybody, but it helps in, through, through that anti-inflammatory pathway. Wild. And that's the point. That's what we should, that's where hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin and fluvoxamine and budesonide came from. You take medicines that are already approved and you would start using them to see if they have an application. The, the, People think too much about medication and the pathways they they serve to treat. The the biology of the body has lots of crossover mechanisms. So oftentimes, something that treats, say, something like depression, may you know look look at where Viagra was to treat to heart disease, and nope, lo and behold, it does this. These things cross crossover functions in other organs and other parts of the body are very common, which is why they started deploying these medications that had a possible mechanism of action for working against COVID. And, you know, we're still arguing about that, for God's sakes. But here we are. Speaking of that, Dr. Peter McCullough in here tomorrow, I believe. Is that correct, Caleb? There they are. Yep, that's correct. Peter McCullough, uh, that is our lineup going forward. Look, Joe Slatipo, Jim Brewer, a lot of interesting people coming in. And uh, at the end of uh, Royce White on Thursday, uh, Dr. Paul Alexander will come back around and we're going to put to rest all this this vaccine nonsense. It's just, and of course, you know, whenever, whenever you read on Twitter, whenever people write on their substacks, it's never what you say because they never contact the people they're writing about and ask them what their opinion is. They always tell you something that they think the person said, which is never what you said. And just everything that goes viral, everything that's controversial is almost always that way. Susan, you're looking very serious. And everybody has a point of view out there these days. You know what I mean? Like they know everything, and <laughs> everything about you, everything about me. I got isn't that nice? Everything about I you. got three vaccines because I wanted to travel yep. out of the country. Yep, fly to New York, mm -hmm. go to dinner mm -hmm. in New York because I'm an old person, mm -hmm. and that's what I like to do. I didn't want to stay home, stuck in my house, wringing my hands and going, oh, God, I don't want to get the vaccine. I don't well, want to but travel. The, but the horrible thing was you would not have been able to do those things if you hadn't. No, and I just And by the risk. way, it was, it was not just this country. We were showing our damn passport around France and Greece and these Right, other but you too. took one vaccine and you had a horrible response. Yes, I and did. I didn't have any response, but I may have lost a tooth. I'm not sure. Oh, that's but, right. Oh, there's my there's my. Uh, but it was worth the risk for me to get to yeah. go to France and Greece I and New a, York. I woke up with a get black the fuck eye, out of California. Black eye, which is the presenting feature of a um, the microvascular uh, clotting that was happening from the Johnson and Johnson vaccine in the transverse sinus. Uh, fortunately, I did not progress. It did not seem to have at least. Maybe I still have a clot in that sinus. Who knows? Uh, but. I know, but I know, it's so weird. And but, I was sick from it too. I was quite sick. But I'm. I wish that I didn't have to take the vaccine. It's interesting, though. You know, uh, Steve Kirsch has a 
a survey going around, you know, do you know somebody who was vaccine injured? And I would have, you know, in, in your immediate family and friends, and I would have said no, but you know what? I was vaccine injured. I was, I was definitely vaccine injured. It just, it didn't have consequence, but I- We got lucky though. I definitely should have reported that had they not the next day withdrawn the vaccine. <laughs> so uh, I was the end of the Johnson & Johnson, but was probably in many ways- Having lived through that particular reaction, probably better off. Well, you had vaccine. COVID trying to get the vaccine, and <laughs> right. then you didn't need the vaccine. But right. then, in order to fly to Greece, you no, had to right. get something. Yeah, that's right. So you went for the lesser of all evils and ended up almost dying. Yep. There you go. Yeah. So uh, Peter McCullough in here tomorrow. We'll continue this conversation. We appreciate you all. We're, we were watching you on uh, the restream. I know Susan was in there on the Rumble rants. Please do so sign up on the Rumble channel. We'd love to see you over there. We're going to get Dan, uh, Doug Stanhope in here. Oh, were you? I saw some stuff going back. That was Jeff's idea. Uh, Doug would be great. Josh. Time to get Doug back. I just texted him. He, we're having a long dialogue about Austin in the 90s. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> And uh, get, uh, maybe, Dave, speaking of uh, Rumble, maybe David Rubin, maybe it's time to him get back around in here too. Hmm? Susan, listening? Hell yeah. yeah. absolutely. Get some lithium for that. Emily? I'm, I'm going to get some lithium orotate for uh, young Susan here. All right, everybody. We'll no, I was, listen, I was doing something else. Sorry. I'm aware of that. Lithium um, for everyone. But you were in the middle of a, of a, in the middle of a streaming show and I was speaking right to you, but okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, what do you, what? I'm done. I'm going to go make dinner. I'm going to go, I'm going to enhance your hippocampal volume. All right, everybody, we'll see you tomorrow at three o'clock Pacific time. I need to go skiing. Ask Dr. Drew is produced by Caleb Nation and Susan Pinsky. As a reminder, the discussions here are not a substitute for medical care, diagnosis, or treatment. This show is intended for educational and informational purposes only. I am a licensed physician, but I am not a replacement for your personal doctor and I am not practicing medicine here. Always remember that our understanding of medicine and science is constantly evolving. Though my opinion is based on the information that is available to me today, some of the contents of this show could be outdated in the future. Be sure to check with trusted resources in case any of the information has been updated since this was published. If you or someone you know is in immediate danger, don't call me, call 911. If you're feeling hopeless or suicidal, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255. You can find more of my recommended organizations and helpful resources at drdrew.com help. Hold up. 